Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast coming to you Monday midday basically and I am joined not by the usual gang. I've got Tony Calvin with me, I've got Brendan Duke with me but I've got Dave Ord with me. Dave you're stepping in for Kevin Holiday and this is the first time you've been on Weighed In with me. I don't know if you were on it pre-me were you? No this is a full debut. After I've had wind surgery, I'm fully primed, I'm ready for the debut. But yeah, this this is a first time, so really looking forward to it. Brilliant. I mean, I've I've had a lot of hype about you. Uh, I will leave it to your imagination which of your colleagues, friends, I don't know, was on to me this morning in eager anticipation for this weighed-in debut. So I'm expecting big things. He Thank gave, you. He it can only go downhill from here, trust me. Yeah, the big stable tour chat came. <laughs> um as I say, Kevin is away on holiday. He'll be back in a few weeks' time. But in the in the meantime, we have Dave stepping in. Very much looking forward to this. Uh, TC, how was your weekend, sir? Uh, terrible. I've been to the same day's doctor's appointment this morning, so I'm fresh from the doctors. Apparently, I've got a very bad virus. Um, I've got um, blood in the nostrils. Um, so he said, um, can't do much for you, but he said, go straight to Cheltenham. In <laughs> <laughs> TC's bled and he's going straight to Cheltenham without a run love it um, and Brendan you're in fine form as always looks like you're in your usual setup. did you have a good weekend over there did you go to Cork yesterday uh, no 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 Cork would be, be, be too far for me I did I did go to Navin on Saturday despite the fact that like Tony I'm a little under the weather but there were rumours swirling around the scene Indeed, uh, that I was uh, no longer a fixture on the Leinster racing scenes. One of my so one of my so called friends, Vanessa, went so far as to say that I'd retired from the track and taken up full time stallion duties, which is good bandsaw grandship, but is not true. So I got off my sick bed to go to Navan on Saturday. The, 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 the weather was tough, but good racing there. Okay, well done, well done. So we've got two sickies with us and a debutant. Wish me luck on this podcast. Let us go forward. Um, before we do, though, quick check-in with Rachel Blackmore's Serial Winners Fund. Of course, this is the charity fund that Betfair set up a few weeks back now, and every time Rachel rides a winner, they are putting five grand in the Serial Winners pot, and it is now up to 110K. She's had a couple of winners, and so we're rocking and rolling, and hopefully that amount will just grow and grow and grow all the way until National Day. Um, so that is good news, but let's kick on. Uh, we will kick off with the Betfair Tingle Creek. It's only right to do so. Big race on Saturday. Obviously, a couple of other grade ones on the card, which we will get to in due course. But the big race was the Tingle Creek, getting to see John Bond. Went off a very short price favourite. And Brendan, I shall start with you here. Safe to say for me, he wasn't flashy, but he got uh, the job done, right? Yes, I, 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 I mean, what to say, Vanessa? I noted on the running order that when it, it came to the champion chase, uh, the, the, the prices for John Bon and El Fabiolo said unchanged. And in many ways, it is unchanged. Uh, they, they, they both went and won. John Bon, yes, definitely not as flashy as he was at, at, at Cheltenham, as evidenced by uh, how much closer Edward Stone got to him. Edward Stone did make that mistake when he nearly failed to get his landing gear out. So you could argue he could have got a bit closer. I kind of felt like John Bond was just doing enough. He was shaking up, turning for home, but he was pricking his ears all the way up the straight. I thought his jumping was particularly good at the railway fences, uh, really, really accurate. And again, not a whole pile to add. I mean, the champion chase is effectively a match. Hopefully they, they, they both get there. Well, 
if, if we have a real bit of luck, they'll meet McLaren's house chase because Willie seems to have his mind uh, set on that particular race. He's going to pass up Leopardstown. Fair enough, I suppose it's only a couple of weeks away. Uh, and Henderson had intimated that the Clarence House might be on John Bond's agenda. So great. I mean, there's only really two, two credible contenders for the champion chase. So let's try and get them to race against one another as often as possible. Yeah, absolutely. El Fabio, the unchanged at 10 to 11 as the favourite. John Bond unchanged at 5 to 2. And it is, as Brendan has outlined, 14 to 1 bar that. Um <laughs> Dave, in terms of, I mean, you can you can involve El Fabiolo's performance as well if you so wish. But, you know, I know it was El Fabiolo's debut and John Bond's had a run. But in terms of if you're looking at that division and you're looking at now on the Monday morning, who impressed you the most? Who, you know, who sort of, who did you think, yeah, that was a proper performance? You know, it's probably neither. And I think that okay. the fact that it's unchanged just sums it up to perfection. They both did what they had to do. Um, I think El Fabio nearly went wrong at the last for him, didn't it? And I think it all boils down. I'd love them to go Clarence House. I don't think that, I think Willie will, because I think we had Anthony Bromley on talking last week and that was the plan then to go from there to Ascot. And Nicky's got the game spirit as well where John Bond can reroute if needs be. Mm-hmm. I don't think John Bond was his best in the Arkle last year. If you look at time form numbers, he's £7 below what he ran to at Sandown in the spring in that Arkle. He's need, if he's £7 better at Cheltenham this year, he gets closer to El Fabiolo. It's one of the divisions where we've got a genuine head-to-head, isn't it? Which is what we need, because we, we're struggling to find them elsewhere. I'd love them to race against each other in the Clarence House. I don't think they will. Did we learn anything new at the weekend? No. John Bond, yep, yeah, I think he can get closer than he did in the Arkle, but gut feeling is I think El Fabiolo will have his legs again. Do you think, Dave, either of them jump like a really, really top-class no. two-mile chaser should jump? No, absolutely. And that's the thing, isn't it? You think about some of the brilliant ones we've had in the past. The, the the way that the, the remittance mans of the world used to fly, Moscow fly, when he was good. He got it wrong occasionally as well, but they, they never missed a beat, did they? John Bond hasn't got that. When he gets it at the right stride, he's very good. But he gets in close and fiddly, and it's the same with El Fabiolo. They're, they're not spectacular, the jumpers of the fence, but they've got the engines once they do land. Yeah, I would agree with those comments. They're making the race because that's the head-to-head. But ultimately, on the wider scheme of the two-mile chasers through the years, I don't feel like they're those sort of electric jumpers that you want to see. But anyway, they are just stepping forward into open company. So maybe time will tell. Last word to UTC on the champion chase division. Are you in any way surprised that either of them weren't cut at their current prices after the weekend? No, no. I just just like the guy said. Nothing did enough to actually kind of like be cutting the market. Normally in these circumstances, they're just cut as a matter of course. So fair play for leaving things unchanged. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on, talk about some novice chasers, TC. What about Stay Away Faye? Now, he has been cut for the Brown Advisory from sevens to five to one favourite now and also cut two points for the National Hunt Chase to 12 to one. He sort of slogged it out again on his second chase start just at Sandown in the grade two, twice over fences. He sort of looked beat and then, you know, finished with that staying power. I mean, I'd be tempted by the National Hunt Chase route with him over the Brown Advisory. Am I mad? Uh, it sounds like Nichols in his quotes from the race ruled it ruled it out. Just oh, said, go for the Brown Advisory, not going to the National Hunt Chase. Um, yeah, I mean, what he did there, I mean, I know it was hindsight, but he's just an ideal kind of laid to back horse, isn't he? I think he traded 30 in the Albert Barlett, 130 at Exeter, and he, I think he traded over two to one here. He's just yeah. the grinder. When he won at Exeter previously, I actually name checked the Scottish National for him, given that 
you know, Nichols has got some, um, you know, previous winning that with a with a novice, and he just looks a complete and utter grinder, doesn't he? I think I think what you're saying is about the trip, National Hunt Chase. I think the trip is right. I think the prestige of that race is has gone down. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Even that high, I just, you know, I think you kind of like if you go to Cheltenham with a horse like this, if you go to the National Hunt Chase, you think he's more of a Grade Two horse rather than the Grade One horse, and I do think he's a Grade One stayer. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just uh, he's a very, very likable horse. A second on better ground could give him a, a real good race if they if they go to the Brown Advisory. But yeah, he's uh, like I said, I I do I do think he's a, a Scottish National type horse. But I'll I'll stand by that early observation. Yeah, you are I think- a pure. Sorry, Vanessa, you are a pure race planner to your absolute bootstraps. I mean, put the horse in the race he's most like to win. I mean, he'd be half a cut of a certainty in a national hunt chase. I mean, but I do remember you suggesting to me that ten to one looked a little bit big for the Brown Advisory post Exeter, which of course has had a boost since with with Grey Dawning, and I. Suggested that my concern would be that he go to National Hunt Chase, but I should have known. I should have known. I was delighted when Nichols came out. I mean, if there is a big dice roller in the National Hunt game, and is that man, what interest is he? In a national home chase, he sees this as a gold cup horse. I mean, uh, one and Albert Bartlett, uh, it, it just such an efficient jumper. I mean, just exactly what you want to stay in chase. It just pops from 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 fence to fence. And I know we're in real danger here of giving horses credit for what they haven't achieved. But given what happened in the Albert Bartlett when he grounded out, having been off the bride turning for home, look beat at Exeter. Look, beat again on on Friday. You would have a, a hunch that he's a horse who may just be keeping a bit to himself, and will just keep finding. And Nichols is looking at this, going, "All right, so what if it gets beaten the Brown Advisory? Because the extra two and a half furlongs of the Gold Cup's going to be right up the street, right? I mean, he's got a Gold Cup horse here. We're not going anywhere near the National Hunt Chase. I respect you as a race batter, but I respect him more as a big dice roller." Yeah, I like it. I like I like what you're saying. I just think in the Brown Advisory itself, I wouldn't be surprised if you know he leaves himself with too much to do up the hill against some classier opponents and makes life hard for himself. Um, but anyway, we roll on because Dave, the other horse that was cut for the Brown Advisory is this Indiana Dream, who's mm. bounced onto everyone's radar at Navin this weekend. Um, he's been cut to 12 to 1 from 33s for the Brown Advisory and he's 10 to 1 from 40s for the Turner's Novices Chase. If anyone hasn't seen this performance, this is a Willie Mullins, JP McManus horse, French recruit, one start over hurdles, one win last season, one start over over fences so far this season and one win in pretty impressive style. Jumping clearly could have a sharpen up. Brendan will give us the review of how he, the, the beast physically that he is. But in terms of the performance, Dave, I, I mean, you couldn't help but be impressed. And he's sort of like very much falls into the cliche unknown category for me anyway. 100%. You wouldn't have the foggiest way he's going to turn up, would you? I don't think Willie <laughs> really, really wouldn't have the foggiest. I mean, he could, he could go anywhere. There's a bit of substance to go with the style as well, wasn't it, with St. Felicia um, in second. It's the way you travelled um, through the race. You caught your eye in behind. You saw him swinging away. I thought, oh, this is it. I wonder where he's going to end up finishing. And then he, he's latching on. And it's the way he went clear from the last as well. I mean, he's held in some regard, but clearly hasn't been the easiest to train. Uh, Frank Berry said afterwards that as long as the wheels stay on, is quite exciting, which I thought was quite a telling comment. But there's some engine there. But, I mean, you couldn't even it's begin to have an antipodes bet, could you? Because you, you wouldn't have the, the fog. You see, he could end up in any one of three four races at Cheltenham. So I don't know where he'll go, but I was really taken by it. And as I say, I think there was a bit of substance to go with the style too. 
Yeah, I would agree with those comments. And Brendan, what about him in the paddock? Because everyone oh. said beast territory. Oh, well, I mean, a, a serious physique, Vanessa. If, you, if you'll allow me, he reminded me of Alaho at that age. I remember seeing Alaho on the parade ring of the Albert Bart when, when, when he was a, a, a five-year-old. So I suppose technically six months younger, but a big rig of a horse, unfurnished. But when he fills into that frame, and also it was very windy in, in Navan on, on, on Saturday. You just love, Tony's just loving this feedback from the paddock, isn't he? It was quite windy and there were lots of things blowing around the parade ring and he looked at everything. He's, he's, still, he's still pretty clueless. My concern would be, like Alaho, that he'll just be a little bit weak and he might know enough to cope with, with Cheltenham at this stage of, of his career. But when he starts to fill that frame, and I mean, also he completely walked in the bedding on Saturday as well. So green and gold, it, it didn't look great, but um, he, he he fair put them to the sword. He's, he's, got a, he's got a big engine, but it might take another season for him to, to really find his feet. You'll get struck off the uh, Paddock Watchers uh, register there, Brendan. You said physique. <laughs> Doesn't don't all paddock watchers now say he's a good physical? Oh, lovely! They do, don't they? Lovely! It, I it, say that a lot. It's, a, it's new this year. Everyone says, "Oh, he's a brilliant physical." And I seem to remember you suggesting to me before Tony that you don't listen to these paddock judges because they're talking bollocks. But it's yeah, I know. But, but when as soon as they mention physical, that's when oh. I put mute on. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. That's the last thing I hear: physical. And when you said he's uh, a big rig of a horse, isn't it a rig? One isn't a rig of a horse with one well, bottle? Yes, technically, that, that's technically true. Yeah, one, yeah. one, one bottle. You know, just oh, a, big, right. a big frame of a horse, perhaps would have been uh, a shell of a horse. You like that yeah. description? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Okay. TC, Think those cliches coming. Come on. Yeah. 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 If TC switches off every time a pun uh, presenter on track says the word, he's a nice physical. You must turn off before I've even started, TC. I don't think you must have ever seen. Me report on a full car. I, I just, it's when when they say, "Oh, it's, he's going to grow into his frame." That's I, I love that as well. I love. Oh, it. you love it. You're here for it. Um, TC, do you want to comment on deafening silence? In the let's rattle through some of the novice hurdle performances. Albert Bartlett mover was deafening silence for the skeletons. Stepped up in grade again this time into a grade two, and others travelled much better around him. And another sort of tough slog. As kind of same rules apply at Sandown this weekend, don't don't they? Yeah, um, I thought it was a weak race. Um, he was a good enough winner. Wouldn't be on my agenda for for Cheltenham. But then again, very few are at this stage. Uh, no, nothing. I wouldn't be massively infused about the performance. Okay, uh, introduced at 20 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett for what it's worth. Um, Brendan... Team Gordon Elliott obviously had a very good weekend. They had plenty of nice novices running and winning, one of which was Search for Glory, um, mm. who's a mover in the Stayers Mart in the in the Albert Bartlett division, having added another graded race to his CV at Cork. And um, I thought interesting comments from Jack Kennedy in regards to the hurdles at Cork. Did you hear that interview? It wasn't actually about this horse. I think it was about no time to wait, but he was talking about, did you hear that interview? No. Oh, he was just saying that um, basically the hurdles at Cork are pathetic. So if they knock one, they know they can just walk straight through them. So he was sort of referencing the fact that they don't have any respect for them and so can look like sloppy jumping and he was kind of slagging them in a way. It was quite interesting. 
All right, okay, yeah, yeah, no, that, uh, that, that is interesting. You would think they would just be of a standard, wouldn't wouldn't your hurdles? Oh, okay, I'll 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 have to look into that. But yeah, well, there was a little bit of uh, sloppy jumping from Search for Glory, but it was it was a grand performance. I mean, beat a progressive sort. I suppose the problem was that Mahan's way, which looked the interesting horse, and and the second five in the race uh, blew it blew out completely. And albeit the second is progressive limited uh, I, w- I wouldn't say the form is up to much clearly relished the step up and trip from two and a half miles but was well put in his place by Croke Park and I wouldn't think would be a credible Cheltenham contender Okay, fair enough. But I tell you one horse whose form does stack up, Dave, that would be Slade Steele mm. for the De Bromhead Yard. Now, this I thought was an impressive performance. He's been cut, sorry, he's been, yeah, he's been cut for the Albert Bartlett to 16s, but for the Ballymore, he's 10s, this Slade Steele. Henry de Bromhead, Rachel Blackmore in the saddle. Um, now he won at the weekend and I thought he'd beat all the right horses. He traveled well, and then when she got stuck into him, he started to pull away. I really hope that we'll look back on this race and think that the form added up given who was in second, third and fourth. Could easily do, couldn't it? And I, I did like him and it was a big step forward from um, his first win, which as you say has worked out well, Form Frankton, the Royal Bond, he did that really nicely, beat the right horses. I mean, it's early days, isn't it? But you'd think he'd be going into one of the big graded races now and testing testing his mettle fully. I mean, I, he looked more of a Ballymore type than an Albert Bartlett to me on that evidence of beating Lecky Watson. I, I don't know, it might be too early, but he might just be one for one of the big handicaps at Cheltenham, Lecky Watson. I think that a big field, strong pace scenario for him might just be the, yeah, the making of him. Yeah, travels well. Yeah. yeah, it does. And it, this is, the, of all the things that the Mullins team hadn't been firing with, this it's the novice hurdlers, isn't it? The Tuller Hill, Ballyburn beaten first time out, Lecky Watson. I, I mean, there's plenty. One got beat, yes, it long odds on um, what that came out the fourth in the chart, ran well in the champion bumper. It's an obvious hurdle, they haven't hit the ground running with yet. So, in terms of the division, it hasn't got it, its normal look. But yeah, I, I did like the look of the winner. I'd be more interested in him as a Ballymore prospect, but not at 10 to 1 at the minute. Let's see what he does probably at the Dublin Racing Festival, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to following his progress for sure. A um, couple of movers for the Supreme were Booster Bob after winning the listed race at Sandown for the Ollie Murphy team, 25s now, and No Time to Wait, the horse that I was talking about in regards to Jack Kennedy's interview with the sort of lack of fluency of jumping and the hurdles, etc. Um, has been, in, well, cut to 40 to 1 TC. Any interest in those two of the Supreme market at the moment or any uh, comment on them? No, but what I will say is, and Dave touched upon it there with the money sources. Yeah. Normally at this time of the year, you've got a pretty established pecking order for the Triumph, for the Supreme, you know, even the kind of like the Ballymore. This year, I mean, I was reasonably dismissive of Burdett Road in the Triumph Hurdle because I just thought once the Mullins Battalion starts rolling out and the Gordon Elliott's as well. But the Irish have really yet to catch fire. I mean, I think there's I think they've got Far more strength in depth for the English, that goes without saying. But nothing's come out and really hit you between the eyes in that novice division yet, is it? Uh, in any of the, any of the uh, any of the staying uh, or, or two miler division. Well, I think, mm. like you've said, yeah, Mullinses are just taking, I don't know, a little time to get going, maybe. But we see this before, and then Gordons have taken a run as well. So I don't know, still plenty of time to develop, isn't it? Um, Brendan. Tell you what was a bit of a disappointing show was uh, the Pembroke race up at Aintree, that beginner's yes. chase. Um, I mean, the, the Racing Post comments read, finish tired and alone. And mm. I really felt like those would be the comments for me after a night out. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, he's finished hard and alone here. Um, oh, no. that, I heard that was the description the, the people made up for Brendan after the HWPA, after he started. You know, no, he had a kebab, so he wasn't alone. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, de- December is the season of miracles, uh, Vanessa, so uh, keep the faith. Yes, that was an unedifying. That was an unedifying spectacle that Pembroke. I mean, there's a he, the reason he got mentioned in the running order was because he's still in the entries for the Betfair Exchange Trophy. You're uh, getting the Christmas bonus, aren't you, Brenda? Yeah, well, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, That's but, one thing uh, I don't like about Rachel Blackmore having these winners and giving her five grand for every winner she has. Our potential Christmas bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I want her to have a blank that so we can bonus have a... We're all on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, charity begins. Charity begins at home, Tony. Quite right, uh, but. Uh, Betfair Exchange Trophy would need the horse to uh, revert to hurdles, of course, and also having looked at what happened at Aintree on uh, Saturday, you would think he'd need a year off after that. Jesus, that was so long. There's an interesting. Um, there's a guy who I follow on Twitter. He used to work for Betfair. Actually, does all the going analysis. It's, it's called Steve High. I think he's each way on on Twitter. He actually um, he had Clonwell as the most extreme going he's ever had at last Thursday. Right. And it's quite interesting. It, it gives kind of like ranges of, of going description. Sandown on Friday was 34.8. Sandown on Saturday, everyone thought was really testing, was 82.6. Clonmel was 140, the most extreme he's ever had. Entry on Saturday uh, was 140 as well. So oh we'll come on to welfare, etc. But I didn't watch any of the racing live on, on Saturday. I was at a rugby do, but it really was kind of like I need a fight. I mean, it was real. It, it, it was, as, I mean, all the meetings on Saturday were great, but Aintree was, look, was pretty dire watch, wasn't it? It was well, it's a dire. It's not a welfare issue, though. The ground was really deep. It's national hunt horses and deep ground. I don't particularly like watching one horse finish less slow than the other. But if you if, if you're that's a factor in national hunt racing at this time of the year. It's not a, it's not a welfare. It's the jockeys pulled the horses up in that novice chase because they were too tired to keep going. I was being uh, I was setting up uh, the conversation we're just about to have. So yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah I was being deliberately provocative. Mm-hmm. Deliberate. Hey, that wouldn't be like UTC. No, no, no not at all. We're just going to get on to that very shortly. But let's cover a few of the other races at Aintree. We should give a mention to Zambella, Dave, who um, is just such a tough and consistent filly. It looks like her racing career will be coming to an end relatively imminently with the covering shed beckoning. But to win that listed mares chase at Aintree for a third season in what I love about this horse personally is they've just had a handle on her throughout about what conditions she needs, where to run her and how to win with her. And that's exactly what they've done. Think credit to Connections. 100%. Well, she won nine of her 18 starts over yeah. fences, 250000 in prize money. Well placed. Look, we know when the Irish Battalion comes over in March, she'll, she'd come up short against them. But Cheltenham probably isn't a track. She's better on a, a flatter track. She was brilliant again at the weekend. She's been a tremendous Serving to connection. It's an advert for horses racing, isn't it? She races regularly. She's got the right racers to run in and she's proven a money spinner for connections. And yeah, great please for Davil. He's finding rides harder to come by with so many of the mini team over in Ireland at the minute. The, the winners are harder to come by domestically. It was a nice winner for him on a Saturday. And yeah, she, she's brilliant. Been a fantastic servant to connections. And as you say, I don't think we're going to get to see her that, more, that many more times on the racetrack, but she's been a tremendous servant while she's been on there. 
yeah, a joy absolutely. to watch her jump from fence to fence mm. despite the test she's quick, isn't, wasn't it Dave she's yeah, cool she's really cool she deserves a proper mention and also Dave just it's not actually on the running order but we should give a mention to Shambard who oh. won the Beecher Chase and what a like I mean I I felt a thrill for Lucy Turner in the saddle like you could see the thrill she was getting what a, what a fun time that looked I mean we're talking about the ground there but that looked like she had genuine and the horse proper fun and I love to see it it was wonderful wasn't it? it was one of those where you know she's going to punch the air because you're watching her coming yeah. in the closing stages Gavin get to the elbow before we ask for the final bit and you knew a well-deserved punch there what a horse he's been for as well hasn't he Kim Muir and a beach chase jumped fantastically as well that was the key wasn't it he was so good over his fences in behind a couple of strides going towards the last you wondered if Coco Beach or something else might set sail and throw down a challenge with it they couldn't get near to him could they and it was quite interesting Venetia Williams being interviewed now, I think she'd watched it at Sandown, hadn't she? And somebody had come yeah. up to her fall out to ask if she fancied it, and she apparently swore at him, asked him to to, to move away because she she wanted to watch the action. But that that felt like a a big moment for Lucy, a big moment for Venetian, a big one for the horse as well. Fantastic to see him get his head in front again. Yeah, brilliant. And I thought actually in that interview ITV did with Venetia that she she was very on her. She was clearly absolutely beaming and it's rare you see her like that. So that was a real feel good moment, I thought, on Saturday. Um, Brendan, we'll just give a mention to the Triumph Hurdle market. couple of movers, as TC has said already, hasn't really developed the Triumph Hurdle market yet. But we saw Lihari win obviously up at Aintree and he has been introduced at 16 to 1 for the Triumph and Harsh is now 33s, having won for the Joseph O'Brien yard, stepping forward pretty dramatically, actually, from what he did on debut at Punchestown. Mm. Um, any interest in either of them in the triumph or any, any, yeah, any interest in them, essentially? Certainly more interest in Lee, Lee, Lee Harry. Of course, I couldn't be at the paddock in uh, entry on, on Saturday, uh, Vanessa, but looked a scopey sort on, 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 the, on the television and jumped particularly well. Now, you could argue... Max of Stars uh, gave the former boost given how close she got to Wood Who, who's kind of the benchmark in 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 that division at at the moment. But I don't think Max of Stars backed up. It was only it was only a, a week in fairness. But I thought Lee Harry was very good by cracksman out of a motivator, Mayor Vanessa. Would we be concerned? And quite a bit of knee action. Would we be concerned that that ground on Saturday was much more suitable than it's likely to be in the triumph? That would be my concern. But if as adaptable on the ground, I think a big runner in the triumph hurdle. Uh, the other thing that Joseph O'Brien thinks, sorry, I've forgotten. Harsh, yes. Well, I'm going to be harsh on harsh. That was a complete <laughs> boat race. That that went off 1.43 and actually traded odds against in the run. And I can see why, because the jumping over the first four or five hurdles was abysmal. Got a bit better as it went on, but would certainly need to sharpen up his jumping if it's take high rank amongst the juvenile hurdlers. And albeit in a brief career, didn't look the most resolute type on the flat. So that's a nagging concern as well. Okay, nicely summarised for us then. Positive Rilahari, negative Rehash. Um, Dave, quick mention for Operation Manor, who um, completed the hat-trick of handicap wins for the Lacey team, winning the Potemps qualifier at Sandown. Three on the bounce is no mean feat. And he's been introduced at 14-1 to 1 for the Potemps final. I don't know what the stats are on the winners winning the final, but... I don't know about that price for him, but I mean, a, a good performance? was a good performance. I, I wouldn't be interested at 14. Tom Lacey no. was, was very quick to sort of say it might not even be his target. I mean, the horse hasn't, that was his first try at three, wasn't it? First win at three, first 
time, it was a very slowly run race. No conditions were attritional, but you'd want to have further evidence that he's wants a proper test at the trip. Look, three handicaps and a bounce, he's in very good hands, et cetera, et cetera. But 10 to 1 for, uh, 14 to 1 for attempts makes zero appeal at this stage. Champs Elysee, Dave, you can't get to the bottom of them. They love a trip. Well, no, is that right? Well, I mean, that's lunch chase, and Ben, in this time, isn't there? A, a quick novice chase in January, you could go and lock arms with Stay Away Fame, that's lunch chase. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Um, now, it was a very good weekend for Gary Moore's operation. Uh, mm. Won the Henry VIII Novices Chase at Sandown with Le Patron, who's been introduced at 50 to 1 for the Arkle, but he was quite quick to draw a line through uh, the festival being the target for him him I think mentioned the Silly Isles and I mean JPR one sort of like clangor of a mistake he can throw in from time to time Dave just means that I don't think we're seeing the best of him so I don't really know what to make of him going forward and Le Patron picked up the pieces or am I being harsh on him? I, I, maybe potentially a little harsh because I thought his jumping okay. was superb, wasn't it? And he he took it to those by the scruff of the neck from the front. But I do think it fell apart a little in behind the JPR one's got that ability, hasn't he, just to make that mistake? And he did it again, pecked on landing two out, and he was done. I like the way the second came home, stuck his head low and tried to get close all the way up the hill. Um, the winner's got the option to go two and a half again as well, hasn't he? And there's plenty of races for him to be won in the meantime. But I think in terms of Arkle pointers. 50 to one. I don't think he'll even end up at Cheltenham as Gavin Moore said. So it was a big day in the sun of him and a big day in the sun for David Noonan, the rider as well. Great to see him pick up a grade one. And the Moors have got that ability, haven't they, to find a good two-mile chaser on a regular basis now. They do always seem to unearth one. I know they do. It's definitely been a theme of the last, I mean, a lot of Gary Moore's training career. They also obviously had the good day TC because Nassalam had already won the Coral Welsh National Trial over at Chepstow. Um, that was, again, a fair slog. He's now been cut to 10 to 1 for the Welsh National itself. Um, and we know that that'll be a real slog. Would you have any interest in him in a Welsh National after what he did at Chepstow in that ground? Well, he's unexposed over the trip. Well, that means he's he's uh, he's untried over it. So yeah, but you know he he pick up a four pound penalty for that win on Saturday. That means he'll be well in once he's reassessed. So yeah, I I think for once I think that's that's a perfectly reasonable price. I, I haven't had a look at the the prices across the board, but yeah, but Moore's had a good weekend, didn't they? They might be ruining not going down the handicap route with Hadex's Oboe of one fifty, but obviously that ran a cracker. Um, obviously had the Patreon one thing I, I like I said I didn't watch any of the racing live and there was a bit of chat about Petit Tonnerre not being overly busy in the Henry the Seventh and but obviously with ICO breaking down you I know it's a bug, the bugbear of mine and, and I think a few other people on the show agree I, I went back and tried to have a look at Petit Tonnerre the way he went through the race and finished it off and but because of the you know the fatal injury to ICO I couldn't really make a judgment on that. I mean, I've, I've seen it from the, from two out to the line. And yeah, I mean, he was a big drifter. I'll be interesting to see what plans they've got for that. Um, I don't think they could rate it that highly, maybe one forward. Maybe they've got a novice, novice handicap chase in mind for that, maybe over a bit further. But yeah, but Petit on Air was the one I was interested in, but I'm, I'm trying to get hold of a video or a replay that shows me the whole race so I can have a more rounded view than the last two fences. He took okay. the eye first time out, didn't he, as well, at Cheltenham, Petit Tonnerre. Travelled really well through the race then and was asked to pick up after the one departed at the last. I think he's definitely interested. Now, just echo what Tony said about Nassalem as well. I think that 10-1 is perfectly fair. He's going to be well handicapped 
in under his, and he's not only unexposed at the trip slash hasn't tried it. That's the question mark. Yeah. He's very unexposed in testing ground as well, and he looked to revel in it at the weekend. Well, I mean, on that checked, evidence, I think, yeah, yeah, I think he's a massive player in the Welsh national. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Does anyone else have any other horses they would like to mention? Brendan, do you have anything else you'd like to throw into the mix before we head on to news? We are getting to the fighting fifth before anyone comments otherwise. Random. Just very, very briefly to keep the Gary Moore theme going. This yeah. spirit don't you. I thought that oh. is that that is in the Betfair Exchange Trophy as well. Now, interestingly, the Betfair traders made that seven to one for the race. They were clearly impressed, and I was very impressed too because this is an interesting horse, only a four-year-old. And you re- you'll remember it ran against the Nichols thing at the October meeting in Cheltenham and went off fab, despite being about 10 pounds wrong at the weight. So it was just way too keen. It didn't run to form, finished fourth, but settled a lot better on Saturday and came through to, to win what I thought was a snug three and a half lengths. Uh, it will have a four pound penalty, but you'd imagine it will be slightly higher than that once reassessed. So should be well in for the Ascot race. I see pairs of seven to one. There is 12 to one out there in the market, which looks a very big price. Now, the concern is Hansard is also uh, uh, up the betting for that race for the, for the same trainer. But I put it to you, Vanessa Binney Royal, that mm-hmm. Gary Moore likes Ascot nearly as much as he likes Sandown. And that is a very valuable prize. Do we think he will run both horses? I don't think it would be the most un Gary Moore thing to do to run both horses. Well, then I would suggest that the 12 to 1 uh, Spirit Donju is a wild prize for that race. Oh, okay. Big shout then. Uh, anyone else want to mention anything else before we move on to the fighting fifth and then the news? Dave? I'd mentioned Edward Stone. This is just oh, yeah, sorry, left yeah. field. Um, the fact that Alan King's now saying he wants to avoid John Bond and wants to go in trip, which you which can sort fair. of understand. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. They've had two looks at him now and whatever. You've got a Ryanair chase, which is the obvious Cheltenham target. I think he's about 25s. Might even be... But that's top of the market race where there's a lot of those might not turn up in the Ryanair chase. They've all got alternative targets. We're still not convinced that Alaho was back to the Alaho of two years ago, who was the, the market moving. I think if Edward Stone does successfully step up in trip next time, and let's be fair, one thing we do give opportunities for in Britain is two and a half mile grade two races. I'm sure they'll find a nice one en route to Cheltenham for him to, to test him. I don't think he'll be 25 on the day. I think he'd be a big player potentially in that division or a big play for the for the Brits as well. So I thought he was one potential significant shorter, depending on what happens. It does whatever he does next time. I'd be very, I'd be pretty confident Edward Stone would really flourish at two and a half miles. I I think, but time will he looks tell. That sort, doesn't he? Relaxes and he yeah. He does tend to get into rhythm with his jumping. It's a horse I really like, and I thought he ran. I was yeah. pleased to see him getting closer at least on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, TC, anything else you'd like to mention? No. Okay, let's move on then to our news section, which is going to kick off with the Henderson non-runners in the fighting fifth. Obviously, Constitution Hill and Shishkin both declared to run in the rearranged fighting fifth from Newcastle due to the weather down to Sandown. Very exciting. Everyone's excited. Rain comes and he withdraws. He, you know, they're non-runners uh, as a result of the heavy going. Uh, Kevin kind of Kevin Blake predicted it sort of on this show last week that that might be the case. It meant that the rain race was then up for grabs and not so sleepy the veteran that is for Huey Morrison's yard goes and wins the race nice heartwarming win but some controversy around the non-runners of Constitution Hill and Shishkin um lots of people taking 
uh, getting annoyed with Henderson's language in regards to these horses being uh, declared as non-runners because of the heavy ground. Obviously, we know Henderson uses the welfare issue and that grates on people because it's not a welfare issue. But TC, you've been front centre of the Henderson t- support crew with this. Um, you're obviously Team Henderson. You you respect his decision and understand what he said on the matter. No. As I've said loads of times, I haven't got any particular affinity with the bloke. Um, far from it, in fact. Um, but people going on about this, his use of the word welfare. I mean, go and have a look at what welfare means in the dictionary. And people are just getting on their high horse for, for no apparent reason. I mean, my definition of welfare is doing what I wrote down a few... <laughs> pseudonyms, well-being, health in the horse's best interest. And that's what he's doing now. Obviously, I think if anything, he, he loves his horses too much. And obviously, he's he might be scarred by recent events with Altior and the likes. But, I mean, if you are really having a pop at him because of his use of the word welfare, uh, I, I think you really are struggling. And I'd, like I said, I didn't watch the racing live, so I don't know what ITV or racing TV meant to, meant about it. Um, before I went out on Saturday, Unibet did, obviously he, he does for Unibet and that's where he puts out all his, all his stuff. They put out something with a headline. Um, it's uh, which in the headline said safety. Now I'd have a big issue with the word mm-hmm. of safety. Um, but I went back and had a look this morning and they, they seem to have taken off that headline out of it. Now, uh, and he didn't mention safety in the actual column. So like I said, I, if he did mention safety in that column, I would have had a, a far bigger issue than his use of the welfare. The way these things work is, I mean, as, as, as the other guys will know, and as you will know, a lot of the times the headline can be totally misrepresentative clickbait to the actual copy. Uh, and that's what someone did there. I mean, when I file Nico de Boinville's column for that firm, I actually give them the headline to use because I don't want his column to be misinterpreted in that way. So, no, I don't have any problem with him using the word welfare. He clearly uses it in a different way than people are taking it here. And the fact he consistently uses it after being pulled up by it, he's not for changing. He, like I said, I think he loves his horses. I think his use of the word welfare is justified in in the in the wider meaning of that if people if we are so insecure about our sport that one word in a bookmaker blog is being used to kind of like have a wider issue and debate then i think we are miles off i think we're miles off the pace there brendan i know you've got plenty to say on this topic so i'm going to hand the Mike to you here because I feel like you're not singing from the same hymn sheet as TC here well I feel like I almost am because I was going to give Henderson a a pass on this because the the, the race was delayed for a week so it's a week closer to his uh, target uh, at at Christmas now I would I I expect the horse would have come home on the snap on, on Saturday just the way he rolled but I would be a believer that running close to the capacity of, of any equine has to take a physical toll. And it, 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 the, the ground was quite taxing, although, of course, it was toll worth form. He, he might even be better on heavy ground. The horse is just a freak. He, he, he would be perfectly capable of winning both races. But Henderson is, is quite protective of his horses. Tony says maybe he loves them too much. And I totally would have given him a pass. And maybe 
I'm getting too dragged down into semantics because t- t- Tony has his chambers out there. But I just I go onto the BHA website and it says to find out about equine welfare, click here. Transparent, world leading equine care for whole life of horse. So I just think that there is a, a context around horse racing that's maybe different than, than you would see in chambers. And I might be being precious and again, getting dragged into semantics, but would it kill him not to use the word welfare? That, 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 that's all I'm saying. Now, maybe Tony's right. If you just consistently use it, people go, oh, well, he's old. Uh, this is just a word he's, he's been using before it ever appeared on the BHA website. He's entitled to use it. And we all know what he means. And then that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But I just think, Given the, the context and, and the focus on welfare, front page of the BHA site, just probably best not to use that word if he can help it. Because he had an absolute case that it mightn't be in the, 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 the horse's best interest in terms of the race being a week delayed. No problem with that. Yeah, read, just before Dave pops in, reading between the lines, and it's not something I know for a fact. It's not something I had conversations with that I'm just not putting out there. But the, the reading between the lines, I suspect that the horse has been a lot slower to come to hand than they're being public with. And they're being very mindful of the fact is they don't really want to give him uh, a race in bad ground. Now, clearly he handles heavy ground perfectly well. Wherever he hands it, handles it as well in grade one company, well, nominal grade one company, first time up, if he has been kind of like, you know, slow to come to hand, um, Maybe that is a that that is an underlying issue that nobody's come out and said publicly. Yeah, maybe. So, Dave, I think the thing is with the with the welfare word, and certainly and obviously anything in in regard to the safety word being used, um, is from the from a public point of from a wider non sort of really horse racing niche bubble. It sounds as though the use of the word welfare sounds as though. Um, something would have been like seriously detrimentally wrong to the horse if he was to run. That's how I feel it reads. And we all know that's just not the case. Like he's a horse who's proven in heavy ground. He's a cut above the rest of the opposition and he would have been absolutely fine. I don't mind them not running the horse. Of course I don't. They can do what they like. It's their horse. But Surely it'd be better that they came out and said, on the basis that all our targets are at the back end of the season, we're focusing in on one day in particular. And with that in mind, we think it's best to skip this. Like, that's the truth of it, right? That's the truth. But we've had this before, haven't we? Two or three other examples where the word's been used in similar circumstances where... (laughs) You're making the point, look, it's perfectly fit to race at Sandown on Saturday. It just doesn't suit your horse on this day. And it is in the semantics. It is in the wording. But there are so many plates spinning with this, aren't there? I mean, all week it was clear it was owner's preference to run in the fighting fifth, I thought. I thought Nicky was quite happy to sit out on Monday and go to the Christmas hurdle. And then as soon as the, the weather went the way it did, he took the last one out on the Friday. There was no way he was running constitutional. Completely understand. It's your choice. But... We're in the situation now. That's one of three Grade One two-mile hurdles in in Britain in this season, is it? The um, 55th Christmas Hurdle Champion Hurdle. We've got the best hurdle that some of us may ever see. Potentially two-mile. So it's now going to be Boxing Day. We haven't seen him run until December. He's the poster boy of the British season. Do we just need to rip up this program and start again and find a path that leads to more opportunities for the horses to run? Because clearly they're not there at the minute. I mean, we're going to go Christmas hurdle, then Cheltenham in January potentially, but then again, the weather can play a hand in, in January. There's not a 
Catherine Health's chance will go to Ireland for the Dublin Racer Festival to, to meet State Man Owen Pere Pass before then either. So it's going to be a very, very light campaign again for a superstar horse who, circumstances this time, he was at Newcastle, he was ready to run. That was off, I get that. It moved a week. I don't think Nicky ever really fancied it. And it was probably right for the horse not to run. It's The fact is amplified by the fact we have got such a shallow two-mile novice, uh, hurdle division over here at the minute that, that we can't find horses to run against him. And that just continues. Not so sleepy, wonderful horses win over the years. But And you keep looking at the novice hurdlers and the novice chasers and the bumper horses, and it's a trickle, not a flow, and you wonder when that's going to change. And it, it just all comes up to th- th- this boiling point where we're desperate to hang our season onto something. We get it. ITV will tell you their viewing figures for jumps are far bigger than they are for the the flat season. It's the same for Sporting Life. Our traffic for Cheltenham and Aintree is far bigger than it would be for Royal Ascot on the big festivals. People love the jumping horses. They love seeing the jumping horses. They follow them. Yeah, We get to the stage where August Rodan, a derby winner who, let's be fair, had hardly a trouble-free campaign. It got ran six times. I, I'm not, I don't think many of asked grade one hurdlers will be hitting that six number this season. Either will they? I just think we've got to start again and find a path that gets them, to, encourages them to run more often rather than, I don't know, running into this situation where race A is too close to race B. We've only got yeah. three of you in an, an entire season that are grade it's, ones for I mean, to be running in. The thing is, is the race programme isn't there to support them. And so then the races, we haven't, you know, like you say, there's just a yawning gap between Constitution Hill in the two-mile hurdle division and there are anything else anywhere close. And so then we don't have the horses to make them competitive races. And it's just the sort of self-fulfilling bad it's, circle, isn't it? It's um, always the case, isn't it? I mean, we say it all the time. I mean, National Hunt's biggest strength, i.e. the Cheltenham Festival, is also its biggest weakness. Um, you know, the races are there for Constitution Hill if he wants to take the short journey over to Ireland to take on the likes of State Man uh, in the Morgiana and, and things like that. So, you know, if they are, they were a bit more daring and the horse is, is fit and ready, then that's fine. But we, we've had it all, the, we've had it, you know, recently, Tia Poop wins, wins last time. Oh, we're going straight to Cheltenham. It's, it's just really, really tiresome. And that's more difficult to understand as well. When you think about the, Racing at Christmas, the Dublin Racing Festival, there's a structure in place in Ireland, a grade one programme that are all big, valuable pots that you presume owners think, well, if I win one of the three this season, I'll be absolutely over the moon. You have a chance to go after big championship races in the build-up. We're not talking that here in in Britain. We're looking at three penalty kicks, two penalty kicks now before before Cheltenham. That's not Constitution Hill's fault in any way, shape or form. On Nick Anderson's, it's the fact that we haven't got a supply of horses coming through that's filtering into the top tier in Britain and there's absolutely zero sign of it changing. And it's not for the one to try. And you look at the goth sales at Newbury the other day, they were spending fortunes. Six-figure sums galore for horses to bring across. Owners are spending hundreds of thousands, millions in some cases to try to fresh talent. But we're just so light at the top of the tree in most divisions. It's quite frightening. It is. It is indeed. Um, We must move on though. Uh, obviously we've given a nod to the winner there, not so sleepy as well. Credit to him, to be fair. He won the race. Um, oh, last line, I suppose, in the discussion, we haven't even mentioned the non-running of Shishkin as well. But, I mean, what what for him now? Because there was this whole narrative spun to us that you can't win a King George first time out in a season. We don't even know if he's going to jump off in a King George, let alone win it. So, Dave, what what's the future going to hold? I don't even know what direction that horse is going in, if any. 
right now. I wonder if they'd have been tempted to run him, you know. And nobody would have thought a thing if it had jumped off, got tired, and been pulled up three furlough, yeah. three hurdles out. Nobody would have batted an eyelid and said anything. It's obvious the cheek piece has come off down there at Kempton. That's what they're all in on now, that it was it was resented the cheek pieces at Ascot. Nicky said straight after Ascot is where he was the start at Kempton's in an almost identical place to the one at Ascot. And that was going through his mind. So he wanted evidence that he wouldn't do the same. That potentially could have been given on Saturday. It's a hit and hope job. Hope it's the cheek pieces. Um, I, I, I don't think he'd be wanting, I know he's got a lack in match practice. Fitness wouldn't worry me because it, it must have been it must have been race fit three weeks ago and there'll be plenty of race course gallops between now and then. Yeah. It's more a case of if the cheek pieces come off and he jumps off, then he's one of our main hopes, isn't he, behind Brave Man's game? He really is, yeah. Yeah. Uh... We will TBC when it comes to Shishkin. Let's roll on, TC. Uh, some news came through in the week from the government, the British government, about in regards to the new immigration measures they're putting in place um, and how this will affect British racing. Because as we know, uh, British racing have a pretty major staffing issue and this could make it an awful lot worse, TC, if some of these measures come into play, into play and affect racing in the way in which it looks as though they might. Yeah, um, well, the government are changing the rules about overseas workers, how much they have to earn to actually apply for a visa. And it's going up from £26,000 to £38,000, which I imagine not many, not many stable workers earn. No. So if that comes in, uh, there is a there is an exemption for 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 stable staff at the moment um, about how much you have to earn and what how, when you can apply for a visa. But if that comes in, then I mean, how many people you know how many people are going to be how many trainers and can afford to pay thirty eight thousand pounds for stable staff? I imagine very very few. So it's going to I mean trying to trainers trying to get stable staff at the moment is is. You hear some horror stories, don't you? I mean, there's not a day goes by when your trainers go on social media and say, look, we've got staff vacancies. And, you know, it, it applies for Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott in Ireland as much as it does for stable staff over here. So if the £38,000 caps come in, it's it's going to cause absolute chaos. I mean, like I say, the B, BHA say they're seeking clarification from the government. Well, you know, good fucking luck with that idea, trying to get clarification from this government. It's... You know the the only the only upside to this is, I mean, if they do call an early election in January, I mean, they, they can fuck off out and let a, let a proper government to be formed, and you know they might uh, might ditch this idea. But if it does come to fruition, I mean, how many how many people are going to pay thirty eight grand, and how many people are want going to come over here to fill those jobs if you can't bring their can't bring their families with them? It's an yeah. absolute nightmare scenario. It could be. Uh, yeah. there, is there, Nightmare sorry. scenario number 348. In sorry, sorry, is there some talk of a legal challenge as well? Could it get completely bogged down and also with the lamed up government that it, they won't have time to get it through? Yeah. Any any anybody uh, anybody legally challenges this government has been going to send to Rwanda, even if you... Uh, even but if no you, one gets sent to Rwanda. Isn't that the point? Like, there's a lot of these policies coming out, but they just can't seem to affect them. That, <laughs> yeah. It's... it's, it's they're the the ultimate clickbait merchants aren't they well it's all it's all there'll be more to come on all of this but one thing is for sure it's something I've been saying for a while that like the staffing crisis in racing is one of the most under talked about things out there we talk about 
you know, the two mile hurdle divisions race planning structure and the lack of good horses. Never mind lack of good horses. Like there's nobody to look after these horses. Honestly, you go, if you're on the ground, you go into any yard up and down the country. As TC has said, they're constantly advertising. People just aren't there to fill roles and horses you know it's not something that can yet be done by robots in terms of looking after horses so we need the people and the rural industry is getting smaller and smaller people stepping into the rural is that why is that why you know they're lucky to have a half a day off every fortnight is that is that seriously why because they can't they need they need people to work 24 7 7 days a week yeah some yards just don't have the pe- literally don't have the staff to look after the horses they like it's ridiculous the hours they have to work the days they have to work you hear horror stories about like trainers that you will all know literally not being able to get their horses out onto the gallop so they're trained on a treadmill or a walker or in the really? they don't like you can't they don't have the staff to ride them Honestly, you'd be shocked if you like were on the ground in some of these places. It's terrifying. So that that news that's come through this week just makes the whole situation even worse. Um, and I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that it's like an ongoing massive problem that's not talked about enough. It's just kind of a given. It's like, yeah, there's a staffing problem in racing. Good luck with it. <laughs> You know, um, but anyway, we will. There'll be more to come on that topic, I am sure. Dave, let's throw you the little nugget of Henrietta Knight returning to the training ranks. You are on a show that shall not be named on this program. Uh, I joke, I joke, but you were um, lucky enough to be in conversation with her the other day, anyway. And See still, what you did there. See what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> young. Sort Which of you probably don't know, do you? You said lucky enough. Or was that deliberate? I wish it was deliberate. Damn it. Damn it. Um, no, seriously, though, Dave, uh, the return of Henrietta Knight, obviously, with Brendan Powell as the assistant by her side. They're great friends. And at the age of 77, she's taking back out her training license. Bit of a shock to some of us, but not to those, I think, who are close to her anyway. No, I get that impression. It came as a complete bolt from the blue, didn't it, when the... the the news broke. I, see, I spoke to her uh, on Sunday. I was lucky enough to speak to her on Sunday. That's as close as I'll get. And um, <laughs> she, she she was in good form. It's not, she hasn't got the license yet. That looks like it's around Christmas time. That will come through. Still one or two modules to complete. Some horses in place ready to come in, looking for more, looking for the, the owners. And it was just a case, speaking to her, that she's got the facilities. It's the same base she trained from, the same place, the same gallops. It's all been kept up to scratch. If you're doing so much, but not so sleepy had spent time with her learning to jump. She'd worked on his jumping. The number of horses have been through her hands over the years. She just wanted to get involved again. And it's a case of good luck. I just think it's a really difficult time to do it as she accepts herself in terms of attracting owners. When you've been out the training ranks as long as she has, the, the contacts may, maybe not quite there as they were, would have been 10, 15 years ago. So it's hoping she's hoping to get the numbers back through. But she was never a massive trainer. What's your TC in terms of numbers? She wasn't like 150. She just had a great knack of finding a good horse from the 60 or 70 that she had. And it'd be yeah. great if she could find one more good one. The, the amount of trainers that come out, I mean, she used to basically train all Mick Shannon's herders and stuff like that. The amount of trainers that come up publicly and say, yeah, I've sent her to Henrietta Knights for, you know, a bit of love and attention. I think even Henderson sent uh, admitted to sending horses there to try and get him to jump. So, which always seems to me a bit, a bit weird, really, because if you're paying a trainer big money, then you'd hope he would have the facilities and, and the aptitude to get horses to jump without sending her to Henrietta Knight. So obviously she's 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 been a trainer in all but name in the last few years. So yeah, fair play to her. 
we were yes, it's, it's, it's exciting it's exciting I'd, I'd say she is still pretty well connected dave i mean this is a woman who had tea with the queen mother after all and she's uh, te- teaching these these horses to jump i think I, I i enjoyed it when she she said i didn't i didn't see the show but i read it somewhere that she said well look it's not going to tarnish my legacy if i come back and don't find the good horse she's absolutely right i mean it's a it's the equivalent of tiger woods coming back and winning the masters i mean if tiger come back and didn't win the masters everyone would have said well okay it doesn't tarnish his legacy still one of the greatest of all of all time but when he did win the masters it was a hell of a sporting story so if she does find this horse and it could be an inspiration for the elderly to get back into the workforce and solve this staffing crisis so it's just win-win <laughs> the win-win random correct <laughs> I, it's funny it's a funny thing with her and this whole like teaching horses to jump thing because we went and filmed the feature at, at hers this was probably three years ago now maybe two years ago myself and Mick Fitzgerald went down there for Sky and we you know, she's not she she's not got any facilities or any equipment that works some sort of magic wand or anything. She loose schools them, as I'm sure you've all seen the footage of, and she does it in a way in which she's you know starts small and teaches horses to jump, show jumpers, eventers, trainers up and down the country do this method, and like I've seen it many times before. So she's not doing anything special. Uh, so it makes it all the more interesting that like all those big name trainers do send her horses to basically tune up. And again, like when you. You go out from the outdoor school where they've done that jumping you know they go into a field they spin around some ba- some barrels again it's not there's nothing revelationary there but she's obviously got a knack and i think it's great i think she'll be well supported and i'm looking forward to seeing her back on a race course with a training license it's she's a great character isn't she yeah. um That's so terrible. very much looking forward to that of the other things to discuss, TC, what about Ryan Moore over in Hong Kong? Not quite, very nearly weekend for him. Be down to his lowest riding weight. You seem to think that you've that you've known him get down to of eight stone five. Yeah, it's, right? I, I didn't watch any of the Hong Kong stuff. It's just not my bag. Um, but obviously, there was a lot in the lead up. I saw some stuff from World Horse Racing Twitter account and stuff like that. And Ryan, someone asked him about getting down to eight stone five and. Obviously, Ryan made a joke about it, and but it seems to me that I, look, I'm not going overboard about this, but we're in an age where you know jockeys haven't got saunas and getting down to riding weights and what they have to do in a very unhealthy environment for Ryan to get down to eight stone five, and I can't readily recall him riding at lower than eight eight when I've been dealing with him. He, he could well have done, but I mean, he routinely won't ride certain horses for Aiden O'Brien if he if he's right if he's riding on a card where you know he's riding top class horses he won't sweat to ride a handicapper at eight eight or eight seven so for him to get down to eight stone five he's probably pretty been pretty unhealthy in the lead up to that kind of race now he's the kind of guy I'm not sure in some jurisdictions you can't put up overweight and ride I'm not sure if that's the case in Hong Kong but like I said, for him to, he must have had an unhealthy few days to get down to eight stone five because there's nothing of him. I mean, it's you know, if you ask me to drop three pounds in a in a few days, you know, no problem whatsoever. But guy who's absolutely stick thin, I mean, where do they lose it from? It's kind of you can only kind of be losing it, I'd imagine, from short term dehydration, and that is exactly what we're trying to get away from in, in the sauna debate. Like I said, it's not a massive, it's not a massive thing. I just thought it was a, it was a jokey type, you know, discussion about him getting down to eight five when it's probably a little bit more serious than that. 
Yeah, he probably has had to go to some pretty extreme lengths for that one, I'd imagine. Uh, last note, Brendan, is the mm. brawl at Aintree. Did you see the video oh, yeah. footage of the fight at Aintree? This is obviously on Saturday when racing took place. There's a video video going around on social media, um, a sort of brawl fight. I don't know, it all looked a bit pathetic to my liking. I mean, having said that, I wouldn't have liked to have been anywhere near it, but it looked like a sort yeah. of group of like relatively young, pathetic ma- males sort of trying to swipe at each other. But it's still a pretty un- unedifying sight and we don't want it anywhere near a race course. Luckily, there hasn't been too much of this of late, but yeah. um, not ideal, is it? You wouldn't get that in Ireland, I don't think. No, it's it has been commented on before that I, I, I've never seen a brawl at Irish Irish race. Now I haven't seen many. Although funny enough, I went to Aintree once and I went in to use the facilities pre-racing, and I, I I had to wait. And two lads walked out of trap too, so I don't know what they were up to, Vanessa. But you can you can probably guess that they weren't holding hands. Or probably in Newmarket in October. Uh, yeah, but 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 I I, I saw no no trouble that day, and I, I, I've never seen any. So the, the problem is, I think, as you said, it pops up every so often. And again, as you mentioned pre-show, security didn't cover themselves in glory. But do we say to the racecourses, well, look, you're going to have to beef up security. I mean, we have um, a transportation system here, the Lewis, and they have these lads walking around, and they're just obviously people who are uh, trained in security and visit the gym regularly and you just wouldn't mess with them and it's, it, you know but there had been trouble on on, on, it was on the Lewis so this is the, what what they did but I'd imagine they have to pay a pretty penny to get these lads to do it is it worth the racecourse's while to go and pay security who will be able to jump in and deal with this situation as opposed to security who might be cowering in fear, as I would be. I, I, I must say, I, w- I would have been cowering in fear as well. Or do we just have to put up with every so often one of these unedifying spectacles is going to crop up? Yeah, um, I, sus- I suspect the latter. The stewards are getting a lot of a lot of grief, but like you said, you wouldn't really want to jump in if you're getting paid a minimum no. wage. In this country, um, <laughs> there's a shoplifting ap- um, epidemic. And even the security staff on the doors are told by their employers, the supermarkets, not to challenge people. They're actually just walking out with TVs and stuff because obviously they can just turn around and hit you with a TV or whatever. So it's, I wouldn't, you know, you give them a pass there. I mean, if you're getting paid 12 quid an hour, you wouldn't just want to jump in to a middle of something like that. But it did spawn the best tweet I've seen in 2023. And I'll read it out because I might fuck it up otherwise. It was from it was from Chris Forward. I imagine I, I think he used to work at the Daily Mirror, and this comes back to the small field scenario. He said after after looking at the video, he said, "I'm I was only surprised that there was a competitive event on a jumps course with more than six participants, which <laughs> I thought was absolutely off the scale funny. So yeah, you don't get six runner races, but you get six six runner fights." Yeah. Last word to you on this, Dave. I feel like those security guards, I don't know, stewards, whatever they might be, are coming in for a bit of flack. But I mean, I'd I'd be with them. I'd be, as you said, pre-show, taking the coat off and running for the exit, to be honest with you. But uh, to say they did very little to help the situation would be an understatement. Yeah. Tenderly handled with evasive face. I think they're just clearly not fit for purpose if you need security that's going to be dealing with that that's that's type of security isn't isn't what you require you look at the big yeah. flat meetings i'll have a, a police presence nowadays won't they? because they see that as a a far bigger deterrent you'll get thrown out by a security guard with the arm behind your back you know you, you can just walk down to the pub down the road and away you go you'll get 
loaded into a police van, it might have more implications for you further down the line. Look, I get what the guys have said about security, etc., but it needs to be better than it was at Aintree, clearly. Yeah, definitely. I think, and also, like, you want, you know, you want everyone to feel safe and inclusive Absolutely. going racing. And part of that is having a team of people on the door and they're in a security capacity that make you feel that way. Not some young lad who's looking for the exit as soon as a, a pathetic little punch is thrown. But anyway, uh, that about wraps up the show, guys. I think we're done and dusted. So thank you very much, as always, to Tony Calvin and Brendan Duke. And Dave, that was a real pleasure. I think on that on that evidence of your debut run, we'll have you back next week, please. Well, that's a bonus. Thanks for that. So I was, I was expecting my screen to go black and up with that. So thank you. Much appreciated. Cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know why I've said that because I did not have the capacity to make it. No, I, I sense but... that, but it was a nice thing to say anyway, even when yeah. I don't hear it next week. And I'm really nice, actually. So take that <laughs> one. Uh, but no, seriously, <laughs> guys. Take that. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much for your contributions. As always, listeners and viewers out there, thank you for being with us once again on this Monday. We will be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better to look ahead to Cheltenham and beyond at the week weekend. Uh, but in the meantime, have a good week. Enjoy yourselves. That was weighed in.